Welcome everyone. It's Saturday morning. Uh, I'd say I'm working overtime, but I have a unique schedule. So I'm here on Saturday in Colorado at the Kafaru International Headquarters because we're the only one. It's pissing rain outside. And I have got uh, kind of a unique guest today. We've probably only talked for three minutes just now and three minutes before, but I recently got a bunch of compound bows in and I was looking at reviews online I saw this guy and I was like, oh, I like that review, watched it. And my wife said, hey, you should get a hold of him, see if he wants to do a podcast. So that is Brandon, Brandon McDonald. Uh, man, thanks yep. for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell your wife thanks for, uh, for, for bringing me up for the podcast. That's awesome. I over one. Oh, yeah. No, no problem at all. I, uh, it, it's unique situation you're in because you bought all of the bows. And what I was hoping today there's always brand loyalty when you get money from a company or you get free. Well, I say that I get everything free that changes things a little bit, but still there's always, you know, there's probably something going on there. If uh, you got John Dudley switched from Hoyt, I like John, no problem. Did he switch from Hoyt because the PSE was a better bow? Probably because it's a better deal and both bows are good. You know, at the heart of it, where would he have stayed? Only John knows that. Levi Morgan Matthews. I don't know how much money he makes, but it 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 rhymes with million because I think it is a year, and I, it's a lot of money. So, is that the bow he would shoot? Who knows? But he shoots them all good. You went out and bought the bows, and very unique perspective on it. You had a thing where you were like, "I'm going to kick two out immediately." And so, what I wanted to do is go over with you and I, talk about the things we like, dislike in a bow. Um, what we like about the bows you're shooting and I'm testing, try to help out people solve their own choices and dilemmas and things to think about and stuff like that. So why don't you kind of cover a little bit about yourself and what brought this review on that you did? Yeah, absolutely. So originally from uh, Lakewood, Colorado, so kind of in your neck of the woods. And then I came out to, uh, came out to Nashville, Tennessee in 99. So primarily since then, uh, I've, I've been pretty much whitetail hunting and I'd say that I've been kind of feeding the family for the last 10 years on, uh, on, on whitetail. And the more I realized, uh, it's difficult to make it to make gear decisions. Like it's difficult to read all the reviews and watch everything online. And I just felt like there was kind of a gap in the, uh, a gap in the space where I could really dig in and, and really go deeper into some of these reviews. I started making videos and putting them up on YouTube because I wanted to start videoing my own hunts. I wanted to look back and I wanted to have more than just like a head on the wall with a couple of, of grainy pictures. I wanted to have a bunch of raw footage and, and just, I, I think it creates, for me, I knew that it was going to create kind of a more intimate experience being able to be out there and then remember more of the landscape, remember more of the day-to-day action that was actually going on in the future. So part of part of uh, of learning how to self film my hunts was I need to learn how to actually use a camera. Like I, I I knew virtually nothing about it at all, and I thought that digging in and doing gear reviews would be a good way to you know like one of the first cameras I bought couldn't focus within three feet. Well, that's not going to work when you're actually trying to get you know a really close up on a really small piece of something, and that's the same way when you dig into bows is you go oh. Well, I thought this bow could do this thing, but it can't. And I didn't know that until after I paid a thousand bucks for it. Well, crap. 
you know, I, w- I wish that I wouldn't have bought that. So that was kind of the goals with, with, with most of the reviews is just being, you know, as honest as I can. And like you said, because people aren't, people aren't sending me stuff. I got no, you know, I got no dog in the fight. I can just, uh, I can just say what I like and say what I don't like. And that, that, um, that's important. One of the reasons I wanted to get you on here is that you don't find that shit, right? Like I could look for five days straight and not find someone that, that did that. And part of some of the things you brought up in, in the portions I've watched of your, your review where I was like, yeah, that that's, that's important. Cause you know, I review stuff. So I critique reviews, meaning not critique, but if a guy's doing a review on, on something for mountain hunting and he's talking a lot about mountain hunting, but he's never been mountain hunting. I pretty much shit can the video right there and move on because it's, it's a guess where you talked about no bullshit, realistic things. Everyone needs to think about, uh, one of the reasons one of your bows did never make the lineup was something people really need to think about, which where's your dealer and is your dealer shitty uh, or which dealer around you is good and which one's bad. That is an important uh, thing to, when, you know, when choosing a bow. So, um, so with the review. Yeah, and I felt bad about that because I've got, I've got four, basically four shops that are close by and I literally had picked out bows from each of those shops to go test out. And then, you know, I made a video about, about it. And it basically it, that because of the dealer, not because of the bow, but because of the dealer that I was going to have to go deal with for warranty work and for service and all that kind of stuff. I just had an experience that I was like, meh, I've got these other three shops that I can choose from. And I like those shops better. So I just, you know, I ended up eliminating PSE for this year. Now that was before John Dudley came out with his, you know, with the, the NTN Evo and obviously, I've been getting a lot of people that are like, how is that out of the, you know, how are you not reviewing that as one of these bows? So convince, let's convince my wife that I need to buy one more for the year. Maybe I can get it in here. Well, I got one. And while we're talking about this, maybe people will believe me. Um, and then that way you don't have to mess with it unless you want to just shoot one. <laughs> so I'll tell you all about it. and We'll see where that ends up. Yeah. Okay. Well, honestly, I, the, the more I've been listening to you in the podcast, the more... I think we have a lot of really similar, uh, I think we have a lot of really similar tasting in, in bows and in arrows as well. Like I listened to your, uh, your Dr. Ashby interview, uh, you know, that you guys did a while ago and I was like, okay, yeah, I, I think we have some, some of our views kind of line up pretty well on this stuff. So I'm sure that if you said it was this, I'd get it and be like, yep, that's exactly what it is. Well, and I think that you got to have a, a, some amount of skill and technical savvy to a certain degree to do a review. I mean, if you suck, it's not going to be a very good review, meaning you can shoot. And so you can do a pretty good review because you can shoot. And and if, um, you know, if I go do a review of a race car, I mean, I'm not going to be a very good review because I don't know what I'm doing, right? right? I can drive fast, but that's about the end of it. And and that's important. And so it was it was kind of, a, like I said, it was a unique just a happenstance coincidence. I saw that and literally it was like, ah, shit, this would be an accident. Wife asked me and here you are. So with the review, yeah, what, what bows did you review? Kind of what were you, I want kind of what you, you're going to go over what, what you were looking for, why you shit can some of them, what you like, dislike. I'll do the same thing when you're finished and we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, sure. So I knew that just based on my history that I did not tend to like shorter axle to axle uh, bows. Just, I'm 6'3", uh, you know, I've got a 30 and a half inch draw length, 30, 30 to 31 inch draw length. So the, the short axle to axle bows, I, I 
I Im- immediately eliminated. And then because it was for hunting, I didn't want to get into anything that was, you know, a, a 35 axle and above. So it was kind of a, you know, you narrow down the window. And then I obviously wanted something that could pull, you know, 70 to 80 pounds, a, a hunting bow. I didn't want to get into, you know, target bows and all that kind of stuff for this review. I wanted it to be sold at one of the local dealership, the, the local dealers so that I could go in there if I had any issues or I had any questions, had to have colors I liked had to look cool. Like it had, you know, I had that, it, it did, I didn't want to pick up something that just was completely, uh, you know, uninspiring when I looked at it. I just, I, I thought it wasn't, you know, kind of, it wasn't a cool piece of equipment to own. And I know that that's kind of, that's like pretty far down on the list, but that that's definitely a factor. So the five bows that I ended up on were the Bowtech Revolt X, the Hoyt RX4 Ultra, the Elite Cure, the uh, Prime Black 3, and the Matthews VXR 31 and a half. Gotcha. And you, I saw in the video one of the things I liked most, you were like, I told you I was going to kill two bows in 60 seconds, uh, and you, you killed two. So talk about that a little bit. What, uh, Like I said, I'll go over my kill list here in a minute, why why I, uh, and a bow will immediately get shit-canned in the group. Uh, talk about yours, though. Yeah. So I uh, I had a hell of a time with the, with the Bowtech Revolt X. Uh, I, I, it just something with the, with the grip and the way I hold it, I've got wide meaty hands. Um, I, I like the way the grip feels, but when I would, when I would, after I'd execute a shot, the bow would just kick out to the left and it didn't matter. I literally, I mean, I took the thing way out of center shot. I took it into center shot. I took it way inside, way outside, did everything with the deadlock cams that you could possibly think of. And for me, I just could not get it to to actually shoot the way I wanted it to. I could get bullets out of the thing. I could get it going, you know, I mean, I could, I could, I could get the arrows to go where they needed to go. I just, it wasn't a comfortable shooting experience for me. So that was an easy one to eliminate. Uh, and then the second one was the RX four and the RX four was primarily a price point. Um, it was primarily, yeah, primarily just a price point thing. All the other bows are right around the $1,200 mark range, you know, give or take. Uh, they're not, not too much more expensive. I think the Elite started at 1000 And then, uh, you know, I think the Matthews was the second most expensive, like 1250 retail, maybe 1200 But the RX-4 was 1700 And so to me, if you're going to charge 1700 for a bow, it's got to be 50% better than the rest of them for me to pay 50% more. Uh, and it just wasn't. Uh, I, I, I didn't enjoy, I, I didn't enjoy at, when you took the shot, I didn't like the vibration and the, and the, uh, and the kind of noise of the carbon bow. And I know that may just be unique to me. I'm, I like, you know, I like what it feels like shooting an aluminumized bow. So, so the carbon just didn't work. And I actually tested the, uh, I tested the, uh, the Axius, Axius, Axiom. I can't remember which one it is. Axius. Yeah. Axius. Yeah. I tested the Axios this year and I don't know if the shop had it set up wrong. I don't know if, if, you know, the, just the cam timing was way out. I, it didn't feel like that, but I eliminated that one at the shop because when I was taking, uh, when I was taking practice shots with it, it was vibrating like a tuning fork in my hand. I literally got my phone out, put a stopwatch on it so that I could watch the timer go. And I timed just under two seconds worth of vibration, like not just a thump a continued sustained vibration in my hand, which, um, again, maybe the thing was just set up funky. There was no stabilization on it, no sight, you know, no peep. It's just the way you kind of normally go shoot a bow at a shop. 
And, uh, and so, yeah, I eliminated that one. Uh, I eliminated that one at the shop. Man, that's important you bring that up because this is one of the things that is a little bit different with, with you and I in the sense of um, not saying you don't know how to, to tune, but in, in my local area, I have the ability to go behind at most of these shops and torque yeah. the crap out of the bow, right? They'll let me behind the counter. And that is that is one thing that shops really need to think about when they're selling a bow is, you know, if in your case, if you've got monkey arms, right? That is, anytime you get out of that 28, 29 range, uh, uh, shorter or longer, you start to get more more of a finicky setup or, you know, those bows are usually built to the standard average draw length. And you certainly can get bows that are drawing over a speed bump in the draw cycle at 31 and smooth as butter at 29. And Which was the bow tech. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So that's important. We'll yep. talk a little bit more about that later because I, I believe you 100% because I've had bows that I had an elite that when I shot it at the shop, I felt like throwing it out the door and then it became one of my favorite bows ever. Uh, but I had to, I'd tune a little shit out of it. Right. I had to, I had to work on it, but anyway, go ahead. Yep. Yeah. And that's a tough spot. It, it, that's, I guess that needed to probably be part of the premise of the whole reason that I actually bought the bows. Cause I probably could have called the shops and said, Hey, I'm going to come in there and spend a half day messing with these things. And they would have been like, really, you want to spend a half day in here to maybe buy the bow? And I thought, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to buy these based on, you know, reputation, based on just kind of the looking that I had done beforehand, take them, take them home and really dig in and, and, you know, mess, be, not be worried about like changing D loops out and, and, you know, well, I'd, adding weight to stabilizers, front, front, you know, front bars, side bars, shimming, longer, shimming shorter, cams just, over shit. Like, yeah. Every, everything that you want, everything that you can do. And, and I'm, and I learned a ton through the entire process because I'm by no means a master bow technician. But what I did learn was there were certain bows that, and maybe it was because the shops had them set up a little bit better or whatever it was, but that, that you immediately walk in, you take 10 shots with the bow and you go, oh, I like this one. But if the bow's not set up right and you go in and you go, I don't like this one, and that bow keeps going down the line to 100 more people, they're going to say, I don't like this one, and that shop is not going to sell that bow that whole that whole line of bows is going to suffer because that thing was not set up correctly. When I saw the the review, this is one of the reasons I like this dealing on the backpack side of things. We'll see people post online like I tried on my buddy's pack. I didn't I didn't my I tried on my buddy's Kafaro and I didn't like it. Well, the pack's got to be fitted, right? And and if you don't like it when it's fitted, it totally makes sense, but you can't put your wife's shoes on and be like these shoes suck when she's three sizes too small. <laughs> And that's yeah. the same with a bow. If, uh, if you walk into a shop that you're getting like what I call Friday night service, right? Like they, they don't want to be there. And yep. the, you know, uh, recurves are the same way. There are going to be bows that if they're not set up correctly are inherently worse than maybe other bows. And I would say, cause I, I really like the, the Axios, but I'm that happy medium 29, not where you're at. And I know how to set up a Hoy cause I've shot them forever. But there's other bows I bet that you really like that I'm like, man, that, that one wasn't for me. And that's why this review is so cool is you walked in and just shot them. I'm glad you didn't tell anyone you were coming because you got the full-blown, you know, five-star uh, 
you know, a normal well, walk. I, I got the very average customer yeah. <laughs> experience. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yep. Like yep. when I say five star, meaning if, if your service is five star at your shop, you got it. And if it's two and a half, you, you get, you got screwed, but at least they weren't, there was that's no preconceived exactly right. notion. So, yep. No, that's exactly right. And honestly, the, the three shops that I ended up buying from, they're all, they all cater to, well, that's not true. Two of them, two of them are really hunting oriented. And then one of them is a little bit more like boutique and they focus a little bit more on probably fishing and high end, uh, you know, shooting equipment and bows are kind of a little secondary, but I got really great service at all of those shops, which again, made it just easy for me to not to, you know, that fourth shop that I looked at, I was like, Oh, okay. I, I'm, I like these other ones. I'm just going to deal with them. You know, that's, that was easy. Oh yeah, for, for sure. Um, so the two, the two that you you kicked out, do you want to you want to touch on that anymore? Sure. The draw cycle for me on the Bowtech, which since we kind of had have gone in there um, a little bit, when I get to that last three inches of the draw, that's where I really noticed a lot of variation between the the bows. It's that dump, you know, it's that dump into the back wall, and the Bowtech would 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 stack up and it would almost feel like it was like binding just a little bit really slow me down and then dropping down into that back wall because in comfort mode you're at a 90 percent let off and then if you switch to performance mode um it's significantly worse and every review that i've watched on that even like i've just i've watched people that have been excited going to pick up their revolt x and then watch them shooting in the shop. They switch the disc over to performance and they start pulling that bow and you can just see this like weird jarring thing dropping them into the back wall. Um, and I know, it, you know, people are going to perceive that I'm probably just shit talking bow tech, but I got, I got no bones to pick. I wanted them to, I wanted to like the bow. It just, uh, it, yeah. So the combination on those things just, I didn't, I just never got it to feel right. Dude, yeah. I, that bow at my draw length, is very smooth and I drew my buddies back and I'm like, what the fuck did you do to this thing? Cause it's night and day different from 28 and a half, 29 to, uh, you know, let's say, we'll just say 30, 31, 31 specifically. Sure. And when you start messing around and these are things we'll talk about a little bit more in the review, you start jacking around with 80 to 90% let off. There, there is all, somebody's got to get paid, right? You're going to get in, in the draw cycle is generally where you're paying the piper. Um, when you right. go to 90% let off, it's, it's literally going to have this, uh, you talk about a valley, right? There's in the bow where sometimes that valley is more like a canyon or you've got, like I say, a speed bump where you get three quarters of a way through and all of a sudden you've got stacking and then it just drops off and you're like, Jesus, is this thing going to blow up? Like, that's probably what you felt. Like, it went right. crazy weight, and then, whoom, nothing. Yep. And think exactly. about when you're shitting your pants, drawing a bow when an elk's coming in, right? Or you're a tree stand. Yeah. You're going to look like you're having a seizure trying to get it over that hump. So I, I get it, man. I I agree, and I, I drew one back at 31 inches, and I would concur side by side with what you said because when I drew it back, I was like, whoa. Uh, did you drop this good, thing? Good. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I mean, I've gotten a lot of crap for that. And I did a, an individual review on the Bowtech and I guarantee you, I put more arrows through that bow, just trying to figure out if it was me, if it was something that I was doing, 
than than any of the other bows, probably until you know recently. I've been shooting the uh, I've been shooting the winter a lot, you know, a lot more more recently. But yeah, I shot the crap out of the Bowtech, man. I wanted to make it work. Are we keeping the winter a secret, by the way? Because we didn't talk about that. Oh yeah, no, we're gonna keep it. We're gonna keep it a secret for. Well, I mean, we can talk about it later in the in the podcast if you want me to. We can we can we can reveal it. Cool. Actually, what we'll do is we'll just reveal it. Um, because it, I'm assuming because your video of the winter has not come out yet. Correct. Yeah, and I'm editing part two now, so it's probably going to take. I'm still kind of shooting a few things. It's probably going to take me maybe two weeks. Oh, that I would that, say to to wrap up. That might might work. And I I don't have a winter yet on mine. Um, just because I haven't gotten them all in yet. So no. Yeah, no, I'm no I'm really curious to see what you hear what your selections were for what bows you chose and how you decided to pick them for you. So I'll just lead in now because you kind of covered the things I wanted you to cover before we go into okay. the next section. So. Uh, yeah, how this cool. party got started was John asked me to shoot his NTN. So I'm, I, I used to shoot compound heavily tournaments and, you know, hunted and got into a stick bow and I answer tech questions constantly because I still work on compounds all the time. I'm still, I can still shoot, you know, I, it's not like I went 30 years and never picked up a bow. I'm shooting my buddies and helping them tune them. So John asked me to shoot the NTN um, when people found that out you know, a, a list of, of people asked me to shoot bows to test them, meaning companies and individuals. Will you test this bow? Whatever. So the NTN was the first one, uh, the 33. And then uh, my buddy Gladiators Unleashed Luke, he asked me if I'd shoot the Matthews VXR. Uh, I've ne- I haven't shot Matthews for years, but lately I've been liking what they've been putting out more. I'm like, yeah, man. And then I taught, I'm friends with Levi Morgan. Asked him, he's like, yeah, dude, definitely shoot that bow. So the VXR 31.5. I've always liked Expedition bows and that type of a cam system. And so the guys at Expedition got a hold of me and I ordered a MX-16. Um, I do not have an Elite Cure, but that is one I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to try. Uh, the Axios Ultra 34 uh, from Hoyt. The Bowtech Revolt X. The Prime Black 5 which I don't have, but I've had enough people pester me about it. I'm going to try and get one. Those are the the bows I'm going to review that I know of for this. Crap might pop up later while people want me to ask, but that's that's the ones I wanted. Now, for me, there's certain things that I think about. A lot of them mirrored yours. When people go to buy a bow, you need to know what your local dealer sells. You really don't want to buy something your local dealer doesn't sell because when you walk in with a problem they're probably not going to be happy because you didn't buy the bow from them showing support and they're going to charge you more than most likely. And if you ever need parts, they're going to have to order them. They're probably not going to have them there. They're certainly not going to be able to steal it off a bow that's on the shelf and then put it back on later. So what your local dealer has. Um, the other, you know, the other things are pretty common sense. I like uh, around a 34 35 inch bow because I like really, and I don't worry about the axle to axle as much anymore. And you and I talked about this. I worry about cam to cam, the string angle. Yep. There's dinner plates out there now for cams. So it, the axle to axle is a little bit out the window. Um, I generally want six and three quarter to seven inch brace height. That's just something in my mind. Then I look at what's the speed, the noise it has, how it holds, things like that, as much as I can test. You know, in this case, I get to test them with all kinds of stabilizers, but I look at all those different things, how smooth the draw cycle is, all that stuff. One of the things also in the strings that I look at is the actual configuration of the string, and this was something you talked about in your review, is 
a prime black five if you order aftermarket strings on a newer prime they probably will not be correct out of the gate because i think there's six or seven seven, seven. there you go seven so yeah. i don't myself have a phd in bowology but you'll need one <laughs> when you start fucking around with the prime that bow is 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 a very good bow it's a very smooth bow uh, but the string system I've tried to put aftermarket strings on buddies of mine, just couldn't get it to meet spec because out of those seven strings, there was some shit going on in one of them, and we just couldn't get it twisting and turning right, where the old standard, you know, string and a couple bus cables and you're out the door, not like that anymore. So something to think about, tunability, I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, I like to yoke tune when you can, when you get something uh, like maybe some of the elites, you're going to have to shim the cams over, things like that. So those are all the things that I you know, think about when I go to test a bow and look at it. And when I say speed, I'm not a speed junkie. I want to hit 280 uh, with a 500-grain arrow minimum at anywhere between 75 and 80 pounds. I used to shoot closer to 80 and 90, but now I'm generally at 75 to 80. And that's very doable. You know, like the NTN... Uh, it's a very smooth draw cycle, but 80 pounds, I'm at 282, I think something like that. You know, the 30, the VXR was 75 pounds. It was at 277 and that was with a 520 grain arrow. The expedition, I think that has demons inside of it. Cause that thing is freaking fast, fast, like smooth and fast. That thing fired a 500 grain arrow at like 307 at 76 wow. pounds or something ridiculous. Right. And fairly smooth. So anyway, those are all the things I think about and durability. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because we touched on this a little the little bit we talked before. Cam durability is extremely important to me, mountain hunting. Um, people don't think about that a lot. But with thinner cams, when you're cheating a system for, for that cam to whip around faster for more speed, which is part of the equation, when you turn that cam into a skeleton, really skeletonize it, it can be dented and bent very easy. Uh, do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So that was one of the other things that uh, that I noticed about the Bowtech was it, the the amount of material that that's on the cams just compared to the other ones. And my experience of blowing up beefier cams, you know, like shooting a, a bow with a cracked knock, and then all of a sudden that arrow drops six foot short, and you've cracked limbs and blown up a cam just because you essentially kind of dry fired the bow. You know, I've, I've, I've done that a couple of times and then, you know, dry firing in a grind bl- ground blind just because I'm being a dumbass trying to get, uh, you know, trying to get my feel for everything and just not loading a, uh, you know, not loading an arrow. Uh, I, I, some of the cams just like, especially the Bowtech made me, made me nervous. And the Bowtech's fast. Like it's, it's, it's really fast. But for the type of hunting you would do, like out of your entire list, based on my based on my research, I'm surprised the Bowtech's on your list compared to some of those other guys. I will um, say the number one reason it, it's on my list is Cody Covey. He would not shut the fuck up about how much he <laughs> liked that bow. Cody loves okay. that bow and very close friend, and so it got shoot in from <laughs> Cody because he can shoot I get, it. I get it. I get it, man. <laughs> and and obviously he. He, he should hold more weight than I do. And then, and then also, I think that's another thing that's cool about this is if you disagree, you can buy the bow and then hopefully still enjoy it because I'm just a dude who bought the bows and 
shot him and is giving you my opinion. And Aaron's just a dude that's doing the same exact thing. You know, it's 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 the same thing. Like if you like the bow, go shoot it and and enjoy it. Um, you said one thing about the elite and shimming the cams. That's one thing elite changed for this year. And, and if you get a cure, you'll see it. They actually have changed. They've added the ability to essentially you're adding cam lean, but you're doing it at the limb pockets. There's an Allen head that you start to twist and it will actually start to rotate those limb pockets, creating cam lean. That is the only reason and, the elite made it in the list is because you can dude, do that. Handy. It is handy. When I was, when I was tuning, I was, uh, you know, I, I was really close. And, and I thought, you know, I'm going to give this thing a shot rather than, rather than just taking the rest, you know, take, taking the rest over. I'm just going to, I'm going to tweak this thing and literally turn those bolts, you know, maybe a, a 16th of a turn each and, uh, and bam, right in there, bullet holes. It's cool. I had an elite that I, I gave to Frank. I shot, this was in 2000, I don't know, 14 or something. I shot a giant bear in, uh, in Idaho. It took me, now that was one of the best shooting bows I've ever had. It took me forever to get everything set up on it in, in tune because I had to put a lot, that was when they had the standard um, cable guard. And to get the cam lean to, in it, I had to put a lot of force, outer force on the cable guard, which wore out yeah. cables fast. And I had to shim the can over. Now when I got it all set up, I could shoot bullets with that thing just grouped like money. Frank got it, and he's like, this is one of the best bows I ever shot. And I'm like, well, that's because I had been out of fucking coronary for three weeks trying to get it to <laughs> shoot, where yeah. um, now I would not have picked that bow if it wasn't for the fact of what you just talked about. I'm glad you brought it up. That's a, obviously something people have been hemming and hawing over because they've fixed that now, which is how that elite made the list. And I want to play with it and see how well it works. So. Yeah. And I think a lot of people didn't like Elite as well because it had those interchangeable mods that you had to buy in order to, you know, in order to change draw length. But they've changed that this year, too, where it's where it's, you know, more of a, a rotating mod so that you can adjust draw length on the bow. And that's a good thing. Like for me, that stuff I don't worry about too much because I know my draw length and I know pretty close to what I need or want. And my local shop had all that crap. So it's easy to swap everything around. Yep. But you know, if you don't know what you want, because you look at different draw lengths yep. on bows, a Matthews 29 may not be a 29 in compared to a NTN or a Hoyt. Everybody's a little bit different, and a 29 may not really be a 29 from one bow model to the next, from from what I've found over the years. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Actually, this year, because somebody else actually brought that up to me today, because I guess Matthews in the past has kind of drawn long. Horribly but- long, yeah. Yeah, but every bow that I had, once I got everything, once I got it all set up the way I wanted it, uh, when everything was dialed in at 31 and a half inches, all the bows were within a quarter of an inch for draw length. And then the the, the weird thing was, even though the cure is, uh, I guess the cure draws long because it was right in there with everybody else too, even though it only goes to, to, uh, to 30 inches, I was literally the exact same draw length when I measured it out as the uh, Matthews and the Prime. Gotcha. And so far, which I don't have all these bows, the the one that, you know, the devil in the closet is always the Matthews and that VXR came in money. So kudos, because I remember back in the day, I had to buy a 28 inch Matthews because my draw was 29 
um, no shit. They were that wow. Bad. Yeah, that's um, a lot of difference. Half inch at a minimum, um, for sure. That and, and it looks like they fixed that. Like I said, I haven't shot a Matthews for years, and this has been super fun for me because I can shoot a compound pretty well before. I can shoot it even better now from shooting that stick the way I have to hold it. So as yep. I'm I'm getting these things and messing around with tuning and you know so because you know it's also it was also stabilizer it's also sights I'm screwing around with arrow and broadhead mm-hmm. configurations things like that. I haven't had to fuck with this stuff for a while. And and then it's bringing back the days of walking into a range with every bit of money I had to buy a bow. Been a long time since I've had to do that. And it's a daunting thing for some people, unless you've been shooting your buddies or your uh, Levi Morgan or John Dudley leg leg humper, no matter what, that's the bow because they shoot (laughs) it. Right. I mean, and again, that's why we're both on here. Just, you know, two normal dudes talking because you can piss away a lot of money real quick on something you can't shoot for shit if you don't know what you're doing. So yeah, and it's hard because the other the other thing is like if I go shoot a different bow, I can immediately say, oh, this is what is different about this bow because even something as subtle like um, certain you know certain bows have have a grip angle that was like just literally an eighth of an inch steeper than. Uh, than other ones and you grab that thing and it feels like you're just high wristed like crazy you know it's just this this uh because your your brain gets so used to kind of kind of driving that same path you know you just create these ruts in your mind but if you're new you don't have any of that you're just kind of figuring stuff out for the first time so you weren't you're not going to know when you go into a shop and uh and and go start pounding you know go start pounding arrows three feet away trying to figure out like yeah this bow is really smooth or this bow's really quiet. And you're like, you can't tell if this bow's quiet. You're standing in a 10 by 10 room with no insulation, slamming an arrow into a bag that's significantly louder than, than the actual bow going off. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like looking tough. at binoculars tough. indoors. You can't really tell, right. you know, the high end ones yeah. from the mid range yep. ones. So yep. what, one of the things I, if you're comfortable, do you want to talk about your top two? Yeah. Or three. And then that way we yeah. don't have to give away, uh, you know, the grand prize and you and I can kind of bounce back and forth off that. Cause I'm curious, I think my top two or three are way freaking different than yours. So I have to say that's probably draw length, but go ahead. Yeah, no. And that's, and, and again, I think that's great because obviously you've got a, a, a vast amount of experience in, in this realm and I'm just a dude. So giving people information, but I'm trying to give as many facts as I can, measurements and angles. I mean, I literally am measuring the grips to the millimeter and showing, you know, angles and explaining why I'm liking and not liking certain things so that people could decide for themselves, oh, I don't grip my bow the way he does. So this thing that he doesn't like is probably fine for me. Uh, so let's, yeah, let's move into the three that are left. So the Elite, the uh, Prime, and then the Matthews are what's left. The Elite... Uh, it retails for a thousand bucks, nine ninety nine. It was the cheapest of any of the bows uh, that I got this year. It's probably not as adjustable as the Bowtech, but it's really, really adjustable. Like the the value in if I was a new shooter, honestly, the Elite may be the one that I would recommend for people to go buy if you have an Elite dealer that's close. It comes with Winner's Choice strings, like great aftermarket strings. The construction on everything seems super solid. I like the finish of the bow. I've, I've not seen any, you know, like uh, sometimes the manufacturers, you start shooting them and you start seeing the paint cracking on the limbs. I, I haven't noticed anything like that. And again, it's, uh, you know, 200 bucks cheaper than the, than, than the next one to start. 
for me, the, uh, the elite is not in the top two. And I think the biggest factors were the, that, see, I say the draw links, but because I, I can't say, I truthfully can't say draw links because it's drawing like a longer bow. Um, it didn't hold as well for me. I don't like the grip as much. It's the grip is, uh, a, a, a little more angled forward. It's a little bit more of a high grip, but to be honest, we're t- for these final three, we're talking like, I liked this bow 92%. I liked the next bow 95% and the next bow 97%. Like that's the, you know, they're exceptional to me. They're, they're very adequate. And to me, I'm, I would be, I would be fine to shoot any of those three, those three bows in the final. I do. I want to bring up real quick, sometimes because the bows are so advanced and in someone's knowledge may not be, it may come down to if your pro shop's cool or not. And that's no shit. They're yeah. that close. Meaning yeah. you got an NTN, a VXR, and an Axiom, uh, and you've got a 29-inch draw, but all three different shops carry those bows. You might like one bow 2 to 5% better than another, but you buy the other because that pro shop's cooler than the other one. They're easier yep. to deal with. They're more forg- And that's I'm only bringing that up because that is something to think about. And like you said, the pick and fly shit out of chili thing, uh, a percent or two back and forth it may not come down to the bow. It may come down to ancillary benefits of the shop that you're at. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So, so then we move over to the Matthews and the Prime. Um, for me, there was a huge difference in the hold on those two bows compared to the rest of them. Uh, I was just able the stability that I was able to get at draw, you know, just, just by the time I got the stabilizers in place, and waited the way I wanted to draw those things back. And there were days where the pin, it didn't even look like it was moving for both of them. I mean, just hold it out there, just hold it, you know, shooting, shooting 50 meter groups, just, just pounding with both of them. The, the prime, one of the cool things about the prime, we've talked about like the strings, there being seven and the crazy stuff. I would not without probably a backup of knowing that I could go take this thing to a shop. I don't know that I'm going to tear the prime down, but they warranty the they warranty the bow and they'll, they'll give you free strings every two years. If uh, for the life of the bow, when you, when you buy the bow new and warranty it in your name. So that's a big deal. Obviously, if you, I, I think I would probably go through strings faster than that, but more, you know, average shooters that are not going out and shooting, you know, 50, 60, 70 arrows every single day, you're not going to, you know, that's probably going to be adequate. I would say, um, the grip on the prime, I don't, there's something re- I, I really like the prime. There's something really special and unique about the technology that's in that bow. It's, it's a change. It's the, the rest of the platforms, they're weighted, you know, the, they're, they're top heavy bows, but the, but the prime is a bottom heavy bow. There's more riser underneath the shelf than there is above the shelf. When you, when you draw the, um, uh, when you're drawing the string, the string back, there's 19, I think it was 19 and an eighth inch of string down below going to the axle and like, and oh shit, I can't remember the exact measurements, but I think there was like a three inch difference in, uh, the knock travel is not directly between the two axles because the cams on the prime are two different sizes. So the cams are actually spinning at different speeds. That makes me a little nervous as far as tuning goes, because I worry if it gets a little out of tune, it's just going to be a shit show. Like it'll just be a disaster, but I haven't had that happen. In 2017, I picked primes. I picked up compounds back up and grabbed. That's what I shot was primes for the most part. 
that I beat the shit out of those bows and they never came out of tune. I don't know if that makes you feel any better or not, but it they, does, they no, do it take does a beating. Feel better, yeah. Other than when the okay. uh, my buddy drove over the top of my fucking bow before we were going out one day, they hold ever they hold up to everything but that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think they're truck tested, as in like get getting run over by a truck, truck yeah, and that, trailer. I don't think that's an expectation we can have. Yeah, he yeah, ro- he drove over with the truck and trailer just to make sure it was. Down. Yeah, thank God I had two. Yeah. All right, moving on. Yeah. That- <laughs> So no, yeah, and then moving over to the Matthews, um, I I had the Traverse last year, so it, you know they're 33 inch axle to axle, so I'm, I'm really familiar with the things I like about Matthews and the things I don't like about Matthews. So the the VXR was an easy thing for me to go to the shop and pick up and and kind of immediately be like, okay, I like this change, I don't like this change, or I wish they would have changed X Y Z. The the thing that's the most unique about the VXR compared to the rest of them, I'm looking at these riser lengths. The Bowtex riser is 22 and a half inches long. The Hoyt 21 and a half, the Elite 24, the Prime 25, and the Matthews is 28. And so it's got this huge long riser, the least amount of distance axle to axle as it's as it's at rest. But then because you've got those giant cams on there when it's actually drawn out the string angle that we were talking about earlier is very very similar to the rest of the bows because that's one of the things i was nervous about i i i liked the traverse over the verdicts because it was the string angle was just a little bit less steep for me just a little bit less and i was really nervous about the vxr and just being like well crap i'm not gonna be able to pick matthews because they uh because that string angle is going to be too steep, but it's, but it's not, it's money just because those cross centric cams are huge. The other thing that they did this year was they reinforced those cams. Um, if you go look at it, if you go look at the, the, the kind of previous generation of the cross centric, they've added a bunch of kind of ribbing, I guess I could say it's, it's just a ribbing reinforcement on the inside. And then they increase the channel. So it looks like you could literally torque that thing and and then go to let down and it, that string's still going to settle back into the channel on the cam. You're not going to have, you know, you're not going to have that thing pop off. And I talked to the shop owner and he said that they've not had one of those cams come back into the shop yet with damage, which is, it, that's awesome. It sounds like there's guys dry firing bows, but they're not having to replace the cams. Yeah. Which the, that has definitely changed uh, back in the day. And they would derail pretty easy. Botech, what was the one back in the day? Botech 360 RPM or some damn thing. That thing would derail if you farted sideways going to full draw. Like there's <laughs> certain, when you get that thin of a string groove in a cam, you know, and you drop back with your hands and you're torquing it a little, a lot of the bows, they're getting better about it now. Manufacturer would derail from that, just drawing them back, not even dry firing them. Uh, that's crazy. Well, and obviously, I don't, you can't, you know, you can't expect to operate a bow completely improperly and to have it hold up. But I feel like the, I feel like it's going to be more forgiving. One of the things that I wonder, I don't know how the Matthews feels as stable as it does compared to the other bows, other than that big, long riser. The, the strings are, they're not quite pointed directly at the limb bolts, but they're getting closer and closer. The longer those risers get, you know, when you draw that thing, uh, that thing, those limbs come way past parallel. And I wonder if that has to do with something with stability. You know, if I tie a piece of string to the top and bottom of a stick and I just start to pull, it's just creating this almost perfect triangle and you're eliminating, you know, you're essentially kind of eliminating some of those limbs. I don't know. It'd be interesting. I'm not an engineer. 
obviously, but it'll be interesting to see if if uh, if they keep moving that direction with longer risers and and coming down past parallels, just to see on on a on a level of hold if that increased it. But by the time I got stabilizers on there, I mean it's like I said, that thing was just a damn rock. Um, one thing I didn't like about the Matthews, I the engage grip is, I took it off. It's it's okay. It's just I like the feel of the bear riser more. Um, so I put the side plates on and started shooting it that way. The grip's really narrow. And then the angle, like the, the, the plates that come with it, the, the curve coming off the shelf kind of restricts my grip just a little bit. And, but I tend to kind of flare my hand out probably a little bit more than I should, um, which the prime actually allows for the grip on the prime. I really legitimately just want to like cut that grip off and put it on every bow that I will ever own. Like the, the I just love the way that grip feels on the so prime. Let's talk about that a little bit since you've got giant, as they would say in the army, uh, dick beaters. I have smaller hands in comparison. And the, this is interesting for people listening in because I, I didn't have any issue with the prime grip but it wasn't a grip that I would want to take off and put on every bow. Much like draw length, I would have to say that sounds like you have giant ass hands. That's important for people listening in because I really like the Matthews grip. Uh, for example, I like the Hoyt grip. Uh, well, actually, I think the probably the prime grip was in the bottom three or you know the third or fourth you know place. But my hands aren't as as big as yours as it sounds, and you're six three, so you're a bigger dude. But again. That is that has a lot to do with when somebody's going in to buy a bow, and if you're if you're listening to me and I'm you know whatever twenty nine inch draw drawing firing eighty pounds, and you're a thirty one shooting seventy, there's going to be a lot of differences between those those setups and what I like and and you like, which is very evident as we're talking about this. Yeah, sure. Another thing about the Matthews, now that we're talking about the draw weight real quick, is they come with, you can get switch mods for it, so that with just a swap of the mod, I don't have to change any of the limbs, I can change from 70 to 75 pounds. So as we get closer to hunting season, I'll probably order those mods and then, uh, you know, and then work up to where I'm shooting that 75 pound draw. So that's kind of cool. That was one of the more, the Matthews is the least adjustable of any of the bows, like by a long shot. If you don't have a bow press and you're expecting to try to work on the Matthews by yourself, it ain't going to happen. The prime you could sort of probably get away with. Uh, you know, you can adjust draw links and stuff like that on the prime, make some make some some small tweaks, but it's not, you know, yeah, the Matthews is a tank that it takes a tank technician to work on. Gotcha. I guess that should be noted. I do have um, a last chance bow press and tuning stuff at my house. And so that's something else is, is we're, we're talking about this, that I'm able to tweak things that, you know, keep, keep that in mind, I guess, as you're listening to this, I'm able to torque things on the bow that you would have to go to a pro shop to, to do. And cha I can change out strings and twist peeps and, and tune because I have a bow press and I, you might have a bow press. I'm just, since I'm able yeah, to I did, do that. I did end up, yeah, I did end up buying one. I'm just kind of trying to put myself in, I mean, what what percentage of archers probably have a press? Two percent, maybe. I don't know. Maybe three percent. Yeah, not many. Yeah, I mean, not. <laughs> it, it, it's a crazy expensive the ones piece that of get tech for what, for, it, it, for what it does. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just you know, you spend five hundred dollars. What does this thing do? Uh, it pushes these two pieces together. That's it. 
yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it does. That's no shit. Cause when I got the last chance, my wife was like, how much was that? She's like, can't you weld that? Yeah. I'm like, I probably could have, if you gave me enough time, but I, I, yeah. it's important though, if you're serious into archery and you're a, you know, you're a, you're a, you know, a, a gear archery junkie. I think it's important save your money and get a press if you're serious. When I say serious, you can be serious and not be a gearhead. But meaning, if you're tuning and torquing with your bows all the time, get a bow press. You're going to need one in the long gonna, run if you can. It's going to last forever. That's the other thing. I mean, it's like I just bought one of their Vane Master Pros. I I mean, the crap's going to last forever. Like I'm, I'll be 70 and still have this thing. So in the long run, what you're what you're spending to actually you know to actually be able to even just adjust your peep. That's the most ridiculous part about the whole deal. If you if you're getting you know a bunch of peep rotation and you need to put a twist in the string, you got to take it to the shop to get that done. Like that's crazy. You know, I just I want that ability at the, I want that ability at the house. So yeah, I bought. I've slowly been kind of accumulating the gear, and yeah, the press came. You know, the press came soon after all the bows got here because I realized I ain't taking all these back to the shop to get the to get the tweaks that I needed. Yeah. Well, on um. I think, are you kind of, are you somewhat wrapped up there with, with, with your thoughts on the, on the bows? I mean, I, I think that the, uh, I think we've done a pretty decent job of kind of highlighting some of the highlights and the low lights, you know, I, uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, I don't mind, I don't mind telling you who I'm going to pick and, and what I'm going to do with the well, bows. If, if you want me to, let me go, I don't nah, mind. We don't, well, let's not yet. Let me go through my list here. Oh, we'll yeah, kind of yeah, bounce yeah. back and forth and then maybe at that point in time. We're at 50 minutes. We'll be over an hour. We'll make this a two-part series, and it'll definitely be um, probably three weeks before we release this. That way we're not Tommy topping you before you get yours out. Okay, cool. So on the the NTN, I would say the I'm going to pick highlights of these bows. The the bow shot bullet holes uh, straight out the gate, but the, the highlight of the NTN was a draw cycle. It's 82 pounds, draws like a 75-pound bow. No hump in it. This is at 29 inches. Okay speed. It's not a dog, but it's certainly no speed demon. You know, at, at 82 pounds, 277 with, I think it was a 509 grain arrow. I was shooting out of it. It was a 300 spine with 225 up front, 300 spine rampage with 225 up front, cut down to 27 inches, bear shafted it out to 50, and the bow draws like a dream. Holds okay, holds good. I wouldn't say, moving on to the VXR, uh, the VXR 31.5, Draw cycle, there's a little mud in the water at three-quarter draw. There's a hump in there. It is not as smooth as the NTN. And like as Brandon was talking, you had said sometimes people are going to get on here and say, oh, yeah, you, you, whatever, like basically um, argue with what we're saying. You can't really argue with what I'm saying because it's what fucking happened and I don't want to argue over it. That is what happened, okay? That is my draw length. That is what I felt. I don't give a shit what you felt. That is what I felt. Same with Brandon. And at thir- that VXR 31, I don't know that there's any better bow technicians that I had around me, including myself, working on the bow, all these big brains together. They all said the same thing. We sell more VXRs at that specific shop than any other bow on the wall. Everyone says the same thing. And we always say mud in the water. It's a little murky at three-quarter draw. There's a hump to get over. That's life. The bow aims better than any bow or as good as any of the other bows I tested. So the highlight of that VXR was definitely how well it holds. And when I say how well it holds, I shot a five, I shot a 59X 300 with a 75 pound hunting bow 
the first time wow, I shot it for yeah. score. And that you that you don't get that very often. That is and I'm not saying I'm gonna go to to Jersey and shoot, you know, the indoor nationals and fire a 59 X everyone that's in practice and it doesn't count cause there's no pressure. I'm just saying the bow is very accurate. <laughs> um, and I was shooting, uh, uh, back and forth a few different leases, but I was shooting the, the two smooth from knock on when I shot that score thing aimed crazy. I was shooting Luke's gladiators unleashed. He was firing, being funny, firing nocturnals downrange, And I was blowing them off the back of the arrow at 20 through 40 yards. The bow is accurate. And decent speed. Not great speed, but decent. Now, these are the ones I have. Obviously, I talk about these. Uh, the Expedition, probably the most surprising of the group. That bow all around aimed well. It drew relatively smooth. Had blister. It was blistering fast speed. Little nervous on the cams. There's literally this tiny screw holding this mod on that's like the size of a freaking flea's penis. And I'm like, that is going to fucking break, right? Like I'm looking at it like, okay, red alert. That is one thing. It's got two Allens on one Allen on either side of this. I'm just going to call it a, a mod. And in the middle to hold it in place, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right? It goes through the mod and into the cam. I shit you not. It is tiny. And so that was something that was like, okay, note to self, keep an eye on that. Because if the two Allens come loose, that thing's breaking off, right? There's no no real way around it. So I'd say the, the expedition was very surprising out of the group. Um, I haven't shot the elite, uh, the, uh, the Axios ultra, and I keep calling it the Axiom, the Axios ultra that bow. And I am a Hoyt guy. I've been a, a Hoyt guy and I've shot a lot of different bows. I can tune a Hoyt really well. So keep that in mind. But that bow definitely was one of the highlights. I shot that bow as a smooth dry, draw cycle, good speed. Now, again, as I say this, Brandon literally lost his left arm from vibration when he shot it. So there's a lot to be said for the draw length and how it's set up. And I can tune a Hoyt, but I, I really liked that bow. The Bowtech, I don't have one. I'm going to try and get one coming. I have Cody's, who's the same draw length as me. That draw was super smooth at 28 and a half, which is what he has his setup. It has very good speed. It aims well. There's always the question mark of Botex, in my opinion, Botex durability in their limbs. I think they've got them fixed, but I have blown up personally 13 Botex in my archery career. We're talking full-on pinata hanging, shit flying everywhere of Botex limbs. But I've, from what I understand, and maybe you could dive on this a little bit, they don't have limb problems really anymore. Is, have you heard that? Is that true? There has been anecdotal evidence of people saying Botex blow up, but I've not had anyone tell me they've had issues with their Revoltex, and I'm not seeing any paint cracking or anything like that on, you know, I've, I went back through all of them and, and double-checked to just make sure from a durability standpoint. So they, they may have that down. Have you seen the meme with the guy wearing the bomb suit that said, I'm ready to go shoot my Botex? <laughs> yes. That is where that came from, yeah. and I'm... I like Botech. I like the people at Botech. I am an organ bo born boy, so that's where Botech's at. But I blew a Botech general up. I, what do they have? The hundred, the eighty second. I blew that up. I bl blew up a commander, a RPM, and I don't mean once. A lot of these were multiple. What are you doing? What What are you doing with these things? That I like sh I think now when the eighty second airborne came out, that was one of the fastest bows on the market. I thought I was just doing bad things to the bows. 
they when you sh- I just shoot a whole lot. Well, give me an example. The RPM. Um, no, it wasn't an RPM. The Destroyer. It didn't blow up for a year. It, w- it was a year before it blew up. I was at a tournament with a with a Bowtech captain at full draw, and it blew to pieces. Bent uh, it bent a spot hog sight. You know what it takes to to bend a spot Holy hog sight? Holy crap! Oh yeah, there was shit flying everywhere. So, having said all that, um, I shot Bowtechs in two thousand fifteen. I think yeah, two thousand fifteen. I killed an elk. Um, I had a boss, probably the best shooting bow I've had, or one of the best shooting tournament bows I ever had was a Bowtech boss, but I'm bringing that up and I'm going to get a lot of hate from this. It had been an issue in the past, but it sounds like it's fixed and they've got their limb issues under control. We'll see, but I haven't shot that bow enough other than shooting Cody's. And then the prime black five, which I can't comment on because I haven't shot it enough. I've only shot friends and I haven't met the shop, but I'm going to try and get one of those as well. As I, as I go through these, and I, w- I kind of want you to chime in. Um, so I've got seven, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yep, seven bows. What would you say the percentage and quality, so on and so forth, is different in the five or seven, but five bows you have, the seven I've mentioned, what would you say the percentage of difference is in those bows? Leaving draw cycle and things like that out, just straight up quality. Yeah, just like the- the actual quality of construction. Yeah. So as long as the Bowtech does not have any of the problems that it's had in the past, and and again, maybe I'm wrong, and I was speculating about the cams having issues. That was just based on my history of shooting, and and again, just hearing stories exactly like you're talking about. They're all, I mean, they're all pretty damn close to each other from a, from like a manufacturing standpoint. I think the uh, I think you're like you talking about that little pin on the obsession. There may be those little tiny subtle things that I don't know exist on each of those bows that are the fail points because it's never, you know, it, it's not like the riser is going to just crack in half. It's going to be, it's going to be those two little Allen screws that were screwed in at the top for the module that, you know, whatever they were, they were a steel that was too brittle and it gets really cold and you go to draw and bam. So, but from what I've seen, the, the quality of the manufacturers on the, of the manufacturing on all of them is adequate. That that's the only thing that I can say because I can't, I, I can't say, yeah, I would say adequate. I'd say 1% difference maybe, or something. You know, it's pretty, maybe. Yeah. Um, and even with yeah. the expedition, that's not even really a craftsmanship thing. That's more, and that may never end up being a problem, but it's something I looked at and was, Kind of like if I grab someone else's shelter or backpack or whatever, I'm like, mm, that might break, you know, like just. Yep. And so I would say they're all within a percent, which is something for consumers to think about. That's very close. I w- that's a very demanding and competitive market where the, the manufacturers have stepped up to the plate. The, some of the things of the past that you used to see, like go to full draw with a heavy 70 bow and the riser deflect a quarter or three-eighths of an inch because it couldn't handle the weight, shit like that doesn't happen anymore with past parallel limbs. Yeah. Um, y- you know, the, the, the derailing, that doesn't happen as much as it used to. You forget, like, have you ever seen somebody forget to draw, put the draw stops on a Bowtech or one of the other bows and it gets stuck at full draw? Yes. It's awesome, right? I wish I could film that shit when it happens, right? <laughs> Things like that, the kind of like that's not the bow's fault. That is no, human no, no, error, no, no, no. right? Well, and of course, I've heard people. I only bring this up because remember that time that guy drew his bow back and he got stuck at full draw. I'm never buying that bow. I'm like, oh, because you were a fucking idiot. You're not going to buy that bow. Yeah, 
makes total yeah, sense. Yeah, no, and 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 in my Bowtech review, I talk about when I was trying to mess with the draw length on the on the switch mod. I was working on it on my lap, so I was looking at it from one angle. I ended up putting it in the wrong hole, and I ended up having the draw stops at 31 and a half, but the mods at 30, and it felt crazy. So I started messing with that in different combinations, and I was I was able to get it where it felt like at full draw, it was probably a 40% let off. I mean, I was really, I, I could really monkey with that thing. And that's, I wondered if, I wondered if I'd ask, if I'd mess something up. Um, so yeah, no, I fully admit there, I definitely, as I was tweaking and messing with stuff, I was, I was monkeying with it, but if I break it, obviously I know that if that's my fault, if I, if, if something breaks because of that, but yeah. Oh yeah. And, and that's the reason why I was bringing that up. Like when the, uh, the past parallel limbs, uh, anybody that had a bow press, including myself, I had an Apple a one bow press. I'm pretty certain I bent three risers. Uh, when they said, do not press a past parallel limb on this bow press, of course I didn't listen. And I bent three <laughs> risers doing so. You know, I've screwed up a lot of shit over time. I used to shim out the limb pockets, the change of the deflection of the riser to get more poundage out of a bow. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think I blew up. What the hell was that one Matthews before the reason? Man, a Z7, Matthew Z7 maybe? This was Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two th- I think yeah, I blew up three sets of Matthew limbs cuz I was sh- they only went to 70. So I'd take plastic toolbox shims, take the bow apart, shim out the limb pocket to make a bigger rocker and gain 4 to 6 pounds out of it. And you're, I was shooting You're a- giving people ideas right now. Like, well, I remember people sh- are literally looking in their garages <laughs> right now. I was shooting a Beeman tree bark 400 spine at like 76 pounds. I was hunting whitetail with constant. My buddy Jerry's like, Jesus Christ, dude, that thing sounds like a darting. And I'm like, what? And he's like, it sounds like a cannon going off. And I'm like, well, I'm basically <laughs> dry firing the damn thing. Like, well, that was back when I was more into speed. And so I should actually probably stop talking before people are blowing their bows out but um <laughs> no but that's the thing you 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 know what you know you've tested bows beyond what most people are because you've done stupid stuff and figured out this doesn't work or you've figured out this does work so they should listen to you because what you're recognizing is you're recognizing a bow that's well put together and the fact that 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 now the manufacturing has gotten to the point where you can buy an 80 pound bow just go buy it and it shoots the way it should at 80 pounds is amazing. And it speaks to, it speaks to the industry and the people that are, that are running these companies and the level of competition that these guys are, that they're wanting to bring this level of bows to the market. I, I, I think it's super cool. Oh yeah. And I will say, you know, my own personal opinion, I would say through the test of time, I don't know that it's arguable that Hoyt has been the, the leader in durability over time. Now, that's taking away any freight, anything from the 2020 lineup. I'm late, you know, nothing to do with that. I would say though, that, that Hoyt probably, and I'd be curious to get your opinion on that as far as stories, listening, whatever else Hoyt. I remember my buddy, Tony Clem got drunker than shit and was running up and down the hallways at Reading, beating on everybody's door, dry fire and a Hoyt over and over showing everybody it could take it. Sorry, Tony, cool. if you didn't want me to repeat that story, but some bows can handle that dry fire. Some can't, right? Some, some bows can handle multiple, you know, as you kind of go through these things, like certain bow companies haven't been in business as long as others. There's going to be bows that are barn burners, just speed demon bows. There's going to be bows that are inherently hard to tune. Some of that's bro science and hyperbole that goes across the internet. 
you know, Matthews for years was like, uh, what do they call it? The, the, the slow, low cam, right? Because it was so slow. Right. That VXR is not slow, right? I, I don't, I don't think, I mean, if it was a slow, low cam, they, they fixed that. It's a pretty decent bow. PSE for years got a bad name for multiple different reasons. I'd say they've come out of that and they're making, you know, really good bows. And so some of the stuff that you hear about, kind of like you said, you'd only heard about like with Botex, some of that probably is way blown out of proportion, you know, whether meaning slow bows or hard to tune or whatever. I would say the Matthews monster was probably the worst bow to tune since Christ was a kid. The monster six, <laughs> um, literally I'd see guys where their stabilizers going straight down the bow, you know, the stabilizer screwed in and their arrow is like four inches when, when it's not at full draw from the riser or from yeah. the, from the, you yep. know, their tune is that far that off. My OCD yeah. doesn't let that shit happen. And so you kind of said it earlier, you hear things like that and you might run away from a specific bow because your buddy's yeah. had something happen or whatever. Yeah. And you've been in the industry a lot longer than I have. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't have the history with archery that you have. So, so that's another thing is my experience, my journey into the depths of what, what this all is, you know, is, is probably within the last five years, as far as me really starting to dig in and, and really get into the, you know, into the gear and the bow tech. So, which is probably yeah. good because you don't have all that junk in the trunk, right? There's no, there's no, uh, what do you call that when you can't get married in your 50 baggage? There's no baggage yeah, in your baggage. brain. Yeah. There's a lot of baggage in this brain. You there's, did it. You did it. You care. You, you did it. I'm, you made it through. Yeah. Married, <laughs> married a lovely Italian lady. I did. She's right here. She just came back from, she went, did you go grocery shop? She got a coffee. I know that. That doesn't, uh, she's Italian. She drinks a shit out of coffee. Um, she has to deal with this now from a beginner standpoint, uh, hanging around experienced guys. So she's always listening and, and learning and probably getting tired of me talking about archery. Um, because we got her Matthews avail. She had a prime, what was that thing called? Prime air. Yeah. She had a prime air was her first bow. And then, I talked to Levi and a couple other people. They were like, man, she'll love that avail. So we got her a couple of veils. Now, my wife has not seen poverty in archery. So that phase where you're borrowing, buying used shit, she skipped that, right? We went to brand new Matthews avails, to brand new spot hog sites, to brand new arrow rests. And she's got like a Noctavid binoculars. So she might be a little bit spoiled when it comes to this kind of stuff because she was able to walk right in and have us tune her bows. But she's learned. Well, what kind of release do you shoot, Brandon? Uh, so, generally, I'm shooting some version of a stand thumb release, uh, and I've gone through, you know, all sorts of uh, almost every Carter that you can think of, and and then stand. And I've ordered a ordered a hinge, but yeah, I've really settled on on using a thumb for pretty much everything for the last couple of years, hunting and target shooting. Gotcha. And see, she, you know, she, we started off with a puncher, but she popped out of the womb with target panic. So we went straight to a Carter okay. evolution and then now a stand perfects. Yeah. Those are other things that I think are just, you know, almost as important as the bow, you know, for people to look at when they're buying releases, when they're buying, you know, sights, arrow rest, things like that. What is the setup you have on, and, and we won't talk about it yet, but the winner, what did you put on for rest, uh, stabilizer, sight, that kind of thing? So I bought a bunch of the QAD rests at the beginning of the year just because I was familiar with that, and so I knew that that was pretty much what I wanted to shoot. I had one trophy taker that was 
that was extra that I put on. Uh, but the, it'll end up with a uh, with a QAD, and then I've got. I think I'm going to use there's this this uh this company with this kind of younger guy who's getting into building stabilizers called Cutter Stabilizers, and they're they're a more micro diameter. But I actually had him. Uh, we did about an hour and a half, you know, an hour and a half, I guess, a podcast, but it'll be a video with him. We're going to do a, a giveaway of the stabilizers, and I really like them. Like I really like the construction. I like how simple they are. Um, and so I'll run I'll run a 12 inch front bar with that, and then a 10 inch back bar, and then I've got a Montana Black Gold for my for my scope. Gotcha. And, and I, that, I and that's what I'll use. I would say yeah. the the Black Gold, and I'm a Spot Hog guy, but I'd say the Black Gold and the Spot Hog are like the top two, you know, sp- specifically hunting. Um, top two all you around. Know, and I, I've had two of the Fast Eddie XLs. I bought one and I liked it, but I've got this twang out of both of them. Like I, and I cannot find it. There's nothing loose, but literally every single time I would shoot it, I've got it. I've got it on my traverse now. I take it out. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And it's on both of them. So, it, but I'm not hearing that at all. Like nobody, they, everybody's saying they're built like tanks. So maybe I just got. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's me. Maybe I got something going. Well, on. I, I just, who knows? It could be a fiber optic or who? Yeah, something, anything. But and and they are built yeah. like tanks. But I don't think you. I would have to say I don't think you can go wrong. With with a hog or or a black gold, those are the two that that are I strongly suggest for everyone to you know to look at depending upon what your local dealer sells and and if you want anything custom, that's one thing cool. Like with Spot Hog, I'll order green, yellow, green, yellow, all the you know for all seven pins. You can oh, order, yeah, you know nineteen to ten thousandths or twenty nine thousandths, whatever. So yeah, no, I would say like releases. That's another thing. Just because I don't know, pick uh, Levi Morgan shoots a. Uh, whatever, uh, thumb, uh, Tim Gillingham shoots literally everything. Um, and I shoot whatever it, it really is so dependent upon how your brain works when you fire a bow that it doesn't really matter what everyone else shoots it. That one is like shoes. You got to try it on. I will break the barrel off a thumb button with an animal in front of me. I, I will literally snap it off. Um, I might still hit what so I'm aiming hunt at. With the wrist, you hunt with a wrist release then? Not very often. I hunt with a hinge, um, believe it or not. Okay. I've got a uh, a B, uh, B3 Ranger right now. Uh, it's kind of like a Scott Longhorn. It's a wrist strap yeah. uh, with a hinge on it. And I've hunted with a hinge and shot a hinge for two decades, right? And, and I will occasionally throw on a wrist rocket. Antelope hunting, probably going to shoot a wrist rocket. There's certain times that make sense because of wind that, that you just got to grip it and rip it and hope for the best. You know, I shot that Perfects. I gave it to my wife for a while. I shot the shit out of that. I just shot a hinge yeah, for so long. It's warm. That's and one of my favorite releases. You like that one? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that, I, honestly, I think that I would rather have somebody buy this is how much I think about releases. I think that I would rather have somebody buy like a two-year-old used bow and take the difference in the money rather than buying a, a new bow and buy a better release. Like I literally think going out and buying a really high quality release is, is that important. Just the feel, like the feel of that, of a really high quality release compared to you know, some sort of 20 or $30, just piece of junk. I just think it, it makes the shooting experience. You, you get a, you get a better understanding of what the actual shooting experience is going to be in my opinion. No, I agree with you. And I've said it before, like you're better off to upgrade your, um, components or, or your, whatever you want to call it, accessories. than you are the bow, get a better sight, get a better release, get a better arrow rest. 
because the Bose technology in the last 10 years may have changed 5% or so, not very much, where um, sites, you know, if you go in and buy what you can afford the first go around, probably going to buy a really good bow and crappy equipment, uh, accessories. So I, I agree a good release, a good rest and a good site can go a long, a long ways and people need to, to think about it. It's kind of the optics are more important than a gun in a lot of ways. The accessories are or yeah, just sure. are more important than, than the bow. Well, like lenses on cameras, you know, you're yep. going to get rid of your body every year or two, but you're going to keep those EF glass or, you know, whatever you're, whatever you're shooting, you're going to keep them. Yeah, yeah. Don't remind me. Cause I'm getting rid of camera bodies way more often than I should. <laughs> yeah. I want I want like two minutes and I want to talk about cameras at some point. Cause I, I want to know what you're, uh, what you're shooting. We don't have to talk about it now, but, and maybe in the future, but I'd love to talk about camera stuff for a brief second. Gotcha. Well, yeah, well, why don't let's wrap this up. Um, I'm going, you tell who the winner is and I'm going to tell you who I think the winner is. And I'm going to probably circle back with you if you don't mind in a month or three weeks yeah. after your video is released. And I have um, grown up and figure out what I'm going to want to do when I uh, get to be an adult and find out which bow has, has, has ended up winning for me. So go ahead. Yeah, man. No, I'd love, I, I would love that. And I want to talk about what I'm doing with the other four bows. Cause I'm not just selling them. I'm doing something that I think that a lot of archers probably have the ability to go do. And I think we need to continue to reinvest in the community. So that's, I, I, de I definitely want to talk more about what I'm doing with the other four bows. That's yeah. Um, go, go ahead. The, oh no, I don't have to do it now. We can do it when, when we, uh, when we come back for the follow-up. That's, that's no, uh, that's no big deal. Okay. Um, the winner was the VXR and it won barely over the prime. Uh, I really want to shoot the black five and maybe turn the black five into like a 3d, a 3d rig. It was really, really hard for me to decide to, for me, the VXR held better. And that to me, the, the, the confidence that I have of that hold makes me feel like when an animal is walking out and I start to get the shakes that I'm going to be able to execute a better shot under that circumstance. And to me, that ended up being almost everything as far as, as, as far as how important that was, because you're exactly right. I think as far as manufacturing, they're all really close. Honestly, it, the, the Matthews was my, was my fourth least favorite grip, but when it just came down to that shooting confidence and that hold, um, you know, and, and when I actually did the shooting tests, the Matthews results were the best. I shot them at 50, 60, 70, 80, and a hundred yards, uh, you know, did, uh, did three arrow groups, 10 ends at each, you know, at each distance and the Matthews came out on top. So that's the one I ended up, that's the one I ended up going with this year. Gotcha. It's, um, it's actually, that one's in the running. I would say the Axios is definitely up there. Uh, the VXR is up there. Uh, the NTN, if I can get that thing to aim a little bit better, uh, just with stabilizer, uh, offsets and kickbacks and, you know, fucking around with that, uh, that one's up there and, uh, the expedition, those were like the biggest, like ones that stood out in my mind. I, I've always liked Hoyt, so I kind of expected that, that, you know, I know how to tune them is the thing. Like I know how to yeah. tune a Hoyt really well, and I yoke tune them, even though I think they tell you not to yoke tune them. And then the the expedition was just a surprise just because it was one of those ones that was just good at everything. It wasn't like the VXR and holding where I was like, oh, my God. And it wasn't like the the NTN that had a draw cycle where I was like, holy cow. But like the, uh, the Axios and the expedition both were one of those that had, had good speed held well, good draw cycle, 
you know, that kind of thing. So I'm assuming it's going to be one of those four and probably it, it would be hard for me to say, you know, today, cause I haven't shot the Axios and the Expedition as much as the VXR and the NTN. That VXR, even though the draw cycle was a little bit crappy towards the three quarter side, it had, like I said, a little bit of a hump. That thing aims as, as good as any bow, and it's only 31 and a half inches long. That's the crazy thing. Like, normally it's, yep. you know, I'm aiming, like, with a 38-inch, 39-inch bow like I am aiming with that thing. It's pretty wild. Yep, I'm with you. I guess you just have to decide, do you like Levi Morgan better or do you like Don Dudley better? You have to pick well, I can friend. tell you what. Those two don't like each other. Um, I can tell you that for a fact. Uh, <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> the thing is, is, well, see – now it's really going to be, do I like Cam Haynes because of the Hoyt? And then do I like Levi because of the Matthews? Or do I like Dudley because of the PSE? Expedition, I don't know, because uh, the hippie, good Lord Donnie Vincent, doesn't shoot Expedition anymore. He did for a while. So Expedition doesn't have a poster child. So maybe that one will win because I can't get made fun of as a leg humper. You can be the poster child. No, that that's, the that, yeah, they want your, your ass up there. Yeah, I know, so, yeah, uh, exactly. For Expedition. <laughs> she has to stop shooting a recurve, but um, I think the biggest surprise, though, uh, probably would be the NTN didn't make it for you, and and we know why now because um, it wasn't there yet. And uh, I like the Hoyt as well as I do, and it was a tuning fork for you. So I'd say those are probably two that are going to get. Well, we may have to touch on again later. Uh, maybe yeah. I'd send you and my. Honestly, I may go. Yeah, I may go back to the shop and see if we can get a, and get the Axia set up. You know, and I can bring my stabilizer rig and just tell them, hey, I'm coming to shoot this for a half day. And I'm definitely going to shoot the NTN. Like, I've gotten way too many people. You know, Dudley just, he carries a lot of weight because he's, I, I think he puts out some good stuff. I think he puts out a lot of good products. And I think he really cares about the archery community and people can tell so they want to support. And so I, I definitely want to go shoot it. And again, I, I'm, I didn't, I didn't shoot, the, I didn't not shoot PSE because of PSE. It was because of that shop. No, that makes uh, that makes sense. And on my end, I try to stay in the middle where I'm not, uh, you know, I get shit because I'm shooting an NTN, right, from a lot of different guys because it's a Dudley bow. Um, then, you know, yeah. I got the, the my, my Gladiators got me the, the VXR and, uh, you know, my buddies were giving me crazy trying to be a baby Levi because Levi and I've been friends for a while, you know, whatever it yeah. is. And I haven't gotten any nipple jokes jokes because of the Axios with Cam. Cam and I get along well enough anyway. And, and I try to get on the podcast. But, you know, it's a different world when you talk about a Dudley, a Levi and a Cam. Dudley's kind of soft, right? Physically. He's just a uh, he's, he's a good enough hunter. He's a good shot. <laughs> But he's not Cam, right? He's just Cam will eat that no fucker up for camp. lunch. Yeah, exactly. No one's Cam. Yeah. Le- Levi's kind of happy medium, probably best shot in the world, decent enough shape, good mountain hunter. But, you know, it's a different world because Cam isn't a tournament archer. He can shoot well, right? But, I mean, his thing is he's just a machine physically. I mean, the dude's just yep. a monster where, um, you know, Dudley, I mean, he cooks more than anything, right? I mean, it's not the same type of hunting styles and everything else. And so... One way or another, like I had a meme with, you know, the knock-on deal, right? With Dudley's pinky yeah. finger in my ass, right, when I got the NTN. <laughs> so <laughs> my friends have, like, no shame. There's, like, I'm like, it good does, Lord. It does look like the shocker a little bit, actually. That's true. Yeah, yeah. well, that's what they did. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, so I, I, my buddy uh, Poole, uh, Greg Poole, he, he works with a bunch of different companies. He works with uh, AAE, Arizona Archery, and, he was like, 
dude, I'm just going to give you some advice. You come out there with a knock-on rest and a knock-on stabilizer, uh, you're going to get made fun of. I'm like, dude, that's what the boat came with. He's like, you better make a statement about that because your friends are the roughest group of friends you could ask for. And sure as shit, I had the John Dudley pinky finger up my butt. Like in no time in a meme getting texted to me, I'm like, son of a... I knew that was coming. The only thing I, I want you to weld that weld on some like three pound plate weights onto the bottom of those little uh, arrow stabilizers that you can screw into the bottom of the riser. Yeah. And I want you to just weld on some three pound weights and start shooting that way to see if it'll 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 get more stable. Yeah, no kidding. I was thinking about hooking rubber bands to it, and making it a slingshot. So when you're out of arrows, you can flip oh, that would it be over. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. There now we're talking. Yeah. I'm very resourceful. But. Well, uh, yep. man, I appreciate you hopping on. We're hitting, I think about it, yeah, about an hour and a half. And uh, I will have to circle back, like I said, in three, four weeks. You know, hopefully I'll I'll be finished. And, and if you're going to touch on some other bows, you can. But, uh, man, I, I appreciate you doing the review. I think that's good for everybody to listen to and, and appreciate you hopping on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So they can, uh, if they want to look, look me up, it's uh, Brandon McDonald on YouTube. I'm the guy that's not the giant black NFL player. Uh, and then if you want to look me up on Instagram, it's Brandon McDonald underscore archery. There you go. Well, everybody go like his page so he can get Insta famous and uh, go subscribe to his, his YouTube page. But when he gives backpack advice, don't listen to him because he has no clue what he's talking about on that. But the other stuff you can, you can listen to, but <laughs> anyway, man, All right. All right. there's a chance that I need to make a change. I do. I do want to ask you about, I do want to ask you about packs. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it next time I talk to you. Okay, no, that sounds good. And actually, if you want, ask me about cameras real quick here before we hop off. Oh yeah, what 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 uh, what system are you using? Uh, Sony A seven R fours and uh, Nikon D eight fifty. Okay, all right. So I got into the Canon world because I think they're gonna that new R five that they're coming out with. It'll do eight K and all sorts of crazy stuff. So I started buying the RF glass, and uh, man, that's another rabbit hole. Just like archery, you can just like the gear and the tech, but just you might as well just mountain and... get addicted to heroin because it's cheaper than uh, photography and archery. Uh, it significantly probably, although you'll get all your, you'll well, still have all your teeth. But yeah, and the problem is, then you decide you want to bring all that stuff with you. And so when I went to Utah last year, I had almost twenty five pounds worth of camera gear that came out with me. And then you realize you're not in tune enough, and and uh, your body is going to break because I'm I'm soft. So. Believe me, we pack yeah. that shit in the wilderness. It sucks balls badly. Like you got a yeah. 95 spotter and it's like, oh, let's grab a couple lenses and a camera. That's one of the reasons I don't pack the D850 um, and pack the Sony because quality and yeah. everything else, arguable. Yeah, just like over. Both. Yep. Just a little bit lighter. Yep. Yep. For sure. For sure. Uh, and again, just like technology, I bet they're going to continue to continue to make it better and continue to make it lighter because that's what people want. I tell you what, I'd probably pay ten grand for an iPhone that took photos like my A7R without blinking an eye, uh, my A7R4, because that would be the ticket. Because uh, even even the the mirrorless, I mean, it's 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 weight, man. It's a couple days food. I mean, it's 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 a uh, it's a pain. Uh, but for sure, it's gotten me where you know in a lot of ways where I am as far as photographing the adventure. So I'm I'm kind of geeked out on. I'm like a little Asian kid with the camera. I, I take a lot of pictures, so. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's it's been it's been so much fun. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not the best, you know, at photography or videography, but learning about it has been really cool. And again, just the ability to go back and pull one of those hard drives up and scroll through videos and think when I'm 80 years old laying in bed, 
I can, you know, go back and have those memories to share with the family is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool, man. I'm going to, uh, I think I'm going to go live here with Randy cooling here in a minute. If my wife will let me and, uh, she's, awesome. she's glaring at me right now. Just fucking around. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. But, well, tell her, tell her, I said, thank you for the, uh, for the, uh, for the recommendation to put me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. No, I'll, I'll let her know, man. Thanks again. And, uh, we'll talk soon enough. Sounds good. Thanks, Aaron. Yep, All right. Bye-bye.